0: Well, I would like for you to turn in your copy of God's Word this morning to James chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 17. James chapter 5, 11 through 17, and uh, I do, I want to encourage you to have your Bibles open for those of you, and I see that we've got some guests with us this morning, some visitors, and we're, you are, I hope that you feel more than welcome here, um, but uh, the way that I preach is I assume that people are going to have their Bibles with them, whether their Bible is a paper copy like I've got, or maybe their phone. Uh, so I will not have the verses of the text on the screen. I want you to look at your own Bibles. But if it's other verses that would require time to get to, uh, then I will have those on the screen. So I do want you to have your Bibles open, James chapter 5, verses 7-11. through 11. Uh, I had a friend uh, back in college who uh, had a jeep and uh, he loved that jeep you know every now and then he'd take the cover off and just you know just enjoy the the elements and enjoy the sunshine and everything else want well, on, on this one particular occasion he took i think two or three friends uh up to i believe it was cincinnati we were in lexington kentucky at that time and uh, took it up to cincinnati but it was cold it was really cold and so he had the cover on the jeep well, they got up there and it was getting a little bit warm inside of the Jeep and he thought, "Hey, you know, let's get some fresh air." So they unzipped the back window of the uh, the Jeep as they were outside of the city about to head into the Cincinnati. And as they were making their way north on Interstate 75 into Cincinnati, they were just noticing that wow, we're in a part of town that kind of stinks I mean, you can smell all of the exhaust from all of these cars and I guess some businesses or whatever This place just kind of stinks, but you know, we'll travel a little bit further So they traveled further to a different part of the city as they were making their way north And that part of the city stunk too (laughs) And so they thought, you know, wow, this is this place just kind of smells and so they traveled out off of that and I think they went into a neighborhood and they said the neighborhood stunk too and then they realized the problem what was happening is when they unzipped the back of the jeep the exhaust, their own exhaust was coming inside and it was causing them to think that the whole city stunk it was what was happening to them that gave them stinking thinking right and I'm telling you I'm telling you This is not, there's never been a really easy time to be alive. There's always difficulties, there's always things, but I'm telling you, this is particularly a very difficult time to try to keep a smile and to not grumble and to not complain because I'm telling you, all you have to do is turn the news on and realize there's plenty to grumble about and plenty to complain about. It would be easy for us just to develop that stinking thinking and think everything stinks, Well, this morning, as we come to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, we come to a part of the text where James is going to tell us, as the Holy Spirit used him and wrote through him to write these words, he's going to tell us how it is that a Christian, a Jesus follower, should think about the bad things that happen to us and all around us in a way that honors the Lord. So this morning we're going to look at James chapter 5 verses 7 through 11 and we're going to see how it is that we are to think when life around us gets hard. And one other thing is it's been a couple of weeks ago uh, because of uh, VBS Celebration Sunday last Sunday, but two weeks ago I preached through the first part of James chapter 5 And if you were here for that sermon in verses 1 through 5, you realize that James was talking about the wicked rich, not just rich people, but the wicked rich who saw that money was power and they were using it to abuse and to harm people. And so, right after he talks about how people are using their wealth to abuse others, now we come to the text this morning where he says, okay, now let's talk to those that are being abused. Let's talk to those who are going through difficulties. Let's talk about those who are experiencing injustice. And let me tell you how it is that you are to think about those injustices so that you can glorify the Lord in your life. James chapter 5. Let's read the text and then we'll go back and kind of pick it apart. This is just, it's wonderful. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. "'Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming.' See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You've heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we have just read your word, uh, we, there, there, there will be many within this room that maybe haven't studied this text, aren't quite clear what it says. And so, Lord, my job this morning is As I am relying upon your Holy Spirit to explain what this means, what you are saying, to show its relevance and to show some ways of how it applies. And Lord, I pray that uh, that even as the book of James tells us, don't be just merely hearers of the word, but be doers. Father, I pray that as we spend time in your word this morning, uh, learning of how it is that we are to think so that we do not grumble, we do not complain then Lord, I pray that uh, with this maybe new knowledge or maybe just a, a, a reminder from your word, I pray that we would go out of here and if this sin is a part of our experience, that, uh, that we would see it as sin, that we would confess it and make it right and live in such a way that we don't think the world stinks, but, uh, but that we would be um, the light of Christ in a dark world. We do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I've got, uh, hopefully you've got your sermon notes there in your bulletin. I want you to pull those out if you haven't already done so. The first thing that I see as we look at verses 7 and 8 is we are told to be patient because Jesus is coming. Be patient because Jesus is coming. And the very first thing that James tells these people that he's writing to, and the very first thing he tells us whenever life is unjust and whenever bad things are happening to us, the first command is be patient. Patient. Be patient. Verse 7, therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. So what is patience? Well, patience is a virtue, possess it if you can, found seldom in a woman and never in a man. <laughs> patience is presented in the Bible as an attribute, not of virtue. Being apathetic or afraid to deal with things, afraid to confront things. Patience is always presented as someone who is in a posture of strength chooses to endure. It's not weakness. Patience isn't seen. It's not presented as a weakness. It is presented as a posture of, of, of strength that is choosing to endure, choosing to allow things to go on. Now we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, describe that a little bit more But uh, when someone does something horrible to you or to me, we are not commanded to refuse to acknowledge it. We're commanded to be strong and to actively endure it, to endure this and not to be reduced to grumbling and complaining. Now, let's talk about some of the outliers on this, some of the things that may be going on in some of our minds right now. Pastor, are you saying that the Bible teaches patience and that we are just to allow endurance just to do its thing and we're not to speak into it? No, the Bible does not teach that as well. The Bible does not teach pacifism. It does not teach that. It does not teach that we are simply to allow injustice to run havoc. The Bible said, in fact, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. What's light do? It pushes back the moral darkness. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What's salt do? It holds back moral decay. And so we aren't to just sit back and allow injustice and allow sin and everything else to run rampant. We are here to be salt and light. Ultimately, our weapon is the gospel. Ultimately, it's the gospel because you can force people to do things that they don't want to do, but if their heart is not changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, all you've done is make them angry, right? And so patience is not stepping back and allowing evil to happen. I'm telling you, there are times whenever, when there is evil that has happened, you have got to go and tell somebody about it. You may need to go and tell the authorities about it. That is not a sign of weakness. That is a sign of courage because you are taking the position where what has been done to me, if in fact it is illegal and what has been done to me, whether in the past or whether it's going on right now, it is wrong and I am afraid that they will do this to somebody else so I'm going to take measures within the law to get them to stop that. You see this? So, patience doesn't mean we don't deal with injustice. We could spend a lot of time looking at how God loves justice and we would be talking about those things. But this morning we're talking about, but how do we deal with it when, even if we do that, then justice still isn't met or maybe it's not where i need to go and talk to somebody about it or i need to get them to stop it it's just they can't be stopped maybe they're in a position of power and there's nothing that can be done about this or maybe it's just some wrong that's been done to me how do i think about it james says be patient how long look at look at the verse be patient until the lord's coming be patient until the Lord's coming. Be patient until Jesus comes to get you. Verse seven. See how the farmer waits. Now he's going to give us an illustration. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. He's saying, "Look, look at how the farmer is patient. I mean, if you're a farmer and you are impatient, you're in the wrong business. Because there's a long time between when that seed gets put in the ground until when that seed pops up and you've got fruit. There's a prolonged period of time. And James is saying, look at them. They have patience. They're waiting. They're waiting until the desire takes place. Well, what is the desire for us? We're going to get to that in just a few moments. Look at verse 8. You also must be patient strengthen your hearts because the lord's coming is near so what he is saying is i want you to be patient i want you to endure i want you to allow these things to not make you to where you're angry and bitter i'm telling you i have met people in my life who something bad happened to them years ago maybe it was someone I've known of people who something happened to them and so they were a believer and therefore they were blaming the Lord. Do you know what happens whenever anger sets up inside of us and it, and it kind of ferments? Do you know what it turns into? Bitterness. Everything stinks. anger is directed at one thing at one individual but if it's allowed to sit in there and ferment we, we we just kind of get to where we're complaining and we're grumbling and we're we end up being bitter about it and then we're just we're messing everything up because everything is ugly he says here i want you to be patient be patient because jesus is coming back okay a week ago yesterday, I, I'm, I'm trying my best to lose weight. I'm trying my best to get in shape, and I'm getting back into running, and it's about to kill me. A week ago yesterday, I ran in a 5K race. It's For those of you that are not runners, it's a 3.1-mile race. Uh, and... Uh, it was around Lake Collingsworth, and so there's no way you could cut, you know, to the finish line. You'd have to swim across the lake to get there, so you're, you're running. You're running the race. Not that I would ever do that. But uh, I was running, and I'm telling you, I was, I was running out of gas, just running out of gas and I, I, I think it was somewhere around a quarter of a mile to the finish line I just had to stop and in fact I had a friend who was really fast he finished it in about 20 minutes and some odd seconds so he'd come on back and he caught me about a quarter mile before the finish and it's like come on and so he came back and uh, helped me out uh, just kind of encouraged me Matt you got this come on and And, uh, you know, I said, man, I got to stop. About a quarter mile in, I I got a a quarter mile from the end. I said, I got to stop. I got to walk. I got to walk. I got to get a breath. So I said, all right, all right, no shame in that. Well, as I'm walking, a guy passes me, and he's running. He's older than me. I said, Neil, Neil, I can't let that guy beat me to the finish line. I can't. I know, sucking air, but I can't do it. I can't let him beat me. So I took off running. I passed him. But about split the difference, maybe about an eighth of a way to the finish line. I said, man, I'm sucking air. Plus, he's way back there. I didn't want to look back. I didn't want him to see that I was seeing, you know, that he was behind me. So I said, I'm sure he's good. You know, I'm I'm ahead of him. I'm going to stop just for a second. As I stopped to walk, he passed me again he passed me again I said man i can't i can't i can't I can't let him beat me i can't by the way i looked up the bib number he was 79 years old and the guy i looked at the photo i looked at it on my phone the guy's had knee surgery too and this guy <laughs> is the one that's beating me. And so finally, I just reached down deep and I just finished, I passed him. And there was a picture that one of the photographers took of him looking over at me as I raced by this 79-year-old guy. You may think, oh, wow, Matt, you're a big man beating a 79-year-old guy. Um, But I'm telling you, that was endurance, you know? It's not a proud moment of endurance, but it was endurance, It was endurance You may think I don't have enough faith I don't have enough spiritual fortitude And strength to endure Because of what's going on that's okay, as long as you just hang in there. You don't, you don't have to, you know, make a big scene about it. You don't have to have an incredible faith. You just got to say, I'm looking forward to crossing the finish line when Jesus calls me home, and I'm going to patiently endure what it is that's going on, because it's not going to go on forever. You see this? That's what That's what he's saying here. He's saying, life is going to stink. Life is going to be hard. You're going to have bad things happen to you. You look forward to the day that either Jesus comes back in the rapture to get us all, or Jesus comes and calls you home to be with him. Your engagement with injustice that has happened against you will not last forever. James said, be patient. Be patient. It's not going to last forever. The second thing. And, and by the way, I do want to point out one other thing before we go to point two. Point two is that it's not just that uh, it's not going to last forever, but uh, that we do recognize that there is a day of judgment coming. And in fact, we see it in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. We have this verse on the screen for you. Hebrews nine twenty-seven. And just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this, what? Judgment. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there is nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong at all for you to have the mindset saying, okay, you know, this happened to me and they got away with it. It's not illegal, but what they did was wrong. It was horribly wrong. And maybe even you're experiencing the consequences of something that someone said or something someone did to you and you know it's wrong. There's nothing wrong with saying, not only am I looking forward to Jesus coming back, but I'm looking forward to the judgment. In fact, when Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and I don't have this in your, uh, in your notes, I believe it's Romans chapter 12 or Romans 13, uh, Paul said this. He said, don't, uh, don't move it. You know what? I'm going to go on and turn over there. I want to get there. Let's see if I can find it really quick. Go on and turn in your Bibles over to Romans chapter 12, Romans 12, um, verse 17. Romans 12, 17. All right, Romans 12, 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. So if someone's done something evil to you, don't you do anything back. Don't even grumble about them. Don't you even slander them for what they did. Don't you say, hey, did you hear what somebody did to me? Don't you repay evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. As far as possible, as much as depends on you, try to live peacefully if ever, with everybody. Well, it's not possible. Well, as much as it's possible for you, let you not be the one that caused Causes conflict verse 19 friends do not avenge yourselves don't you pay somebody back with your words or with your actions instead leave room for god's wrath because it is written vengeance belongs to me i will repay says the lord you know what this verse says god is saying through the apostle paul to us that when somebody does something really bad to you don't you pay him back don't you pay him back, because if you try to pay him back, God says, okay, I guess that's justice. I guess God says, you, you dealt with it, I'm not dealing with it. But Paul here says, as the Holy Spirit is writing through him, he says, if you do not deal with it, and you leave it up to the Lord, then God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, right? Look at verse 20. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Ah, so it's in that context that we are to be kind to those that are mistreating us. Do you see this? It's not like we're supposed to get rid of our desire for justice. It's simply that I know that God will deal with this one day, so therefore I will be kind to those who have mistreated me because I know God will make it right one day. You see this? We are to patiently endure injustice because Jesus is coming to get us, Because Jesus will do what is right on the day of judgment. Let's go to point two. We're going to pick up the pace. Point number two, do not complain. We will be judged. Do not complain. We will be judged. Verse nine, brothers and sisters, do not complain about one one another. Don't complain. Don't grumble so that you will not be judged. Oh, so we hear here that complaining is a sin that whenever i am not happy with what's going on in my life and i complain about it or i grumble about it because of what has happened or maybe who has said something or who has done something to him to me that when i complain when i grumble that is a sin brothers and sisters do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged look the judge stands at the door do you know what complaining is Complaining is saying, I do not like what God has allowed into my life. That's why God can't stand complaining. You read in, the, in the, uh, the historical books of the Old Testament, as the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, their love language was complaining. They were constantly complaining. And there were times whenever God said, Moses, move out of the way. I'm going to take him out and raise up another nation to you. There were times whenever God was up here with anger because of their complaining. Why is complaining so offensive? complaining essentially is saying God I do not like what you have allowed into my life oh well it it wasn't God that that brought this in it wasn't God it was that person friend do you realize that the word of God teaches us that nothing can happen to us unless God actively wills it or he allows it or he allows it God cannot sin God cannot do anything evil but God certainly allows it because he values human free will and one day God will judge and so even those bad things that happen to us God allowed those things to happen I'm telling you that if there's been some really bad stuff that has happened to you and, and I've counseled people who have had some really bad things and they've had a strong view of who God is and how powerful God is and they know that God cannot, uh, that, that nothing can happen in their life unless God actively wills it or allows it to happen, well then they're grappling with well, if God is such a God of love and so powerful, why did he let this happen to me? I'm telling you The Apostle Paul could have spent his whole ministry asking that very same question, but he did not. But he did not. He recognized that God is powerful and God's purposes and ways are so higher than our own and our God loves us more than we ever possibly could know that. And so, in some way that we do not currently understand, God does allow bad things, even sometimes evil, to happen to those that are not deserving of that and that is when we are called to rest in our god's care knowing that even the bad stuff he said that he would work it out for my good friends i'm telling you that there has been some really bad things that have happened to some people that i have spent some time with some of them have gone one way and they've gotten bitter they just got angry at God, angry at God. If God would allow me to go through something like this, then I will, I'll not spend time with him and his word. I'll not spend time in prayer, and they go off this way, and they become bitter. But there's others that head this way, and they say, Lord, I don't know why you allowed this into my life, but I know that you are good, and I know that you love me, and I know that you have promised to work everything out for my good, and so, Lord, I'm clinging to you right now and I need you to help me in this. And as they head this way, then God uses the catalyst of evil or bad things to actually create within them a spiritual depth that most people will never experience. You see this? Um. Whenever we are going through bad things, don't spend time complaining and grumbling. Listen to what the Lord is speaking to you in this. If someone needs to be informed about this to stop an evil, then certainly step into that arena and, t- and talk to those who can stop that evil. If it is something illegal, you go tell somebody and get them to stop what has been done because not only could that harm continue to come to you, but it could go to somebody else. But even then, we're resting in the Lord, patiently enduring. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Do everything without grumbling. Now that word in the original language simply means to express discontentment, and it can be translated grumble, it can be translated complaining. Do everything without grumbling. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Why? Verse 15 So that you may be blameless and pure Do you hear that? If I want to have a clean heart Between me and the Lord So that I can enjoy him Then the one thing that I can do That this text tells me about That I can do That can really clog up that line So that I put a wall between me and God So I can not enjoy him The one thing I can do Is I can grumble and complain I cannot grumble and complain And enjoy the Lord at the same time Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, so that you're able to enjoy the Lord, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So we are not to complain, not to complain. Look at verse 9. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Do you know what the judge stands at the door could mean? I think it could mean two things. One, it could mean that the judge is at the door waiting to come in to bring judgment. Right? So if that is what he is saying, he is saying, okay, friend, Christian, I want you to endure what is wrong. I want you to not grumble. I want you to not complain. I want you to rest in the Lord's care. Look forward to the day when he's going to come and call you, but realize the one who is going to judge is right there. He's about to get going. He's about to judge, so let him deal with that. The second thing could mean the judge is at the door. He's watching. I'm telling you, there were some times in my growing up years when I thought my mom and dad, particularly my dad, was omnipresent. There were times whenever I would do things I knew were wrong. I knew were wrong. And then I would get home, and that evening, my dad would bring up something that I had, that that thing that I had done that day. And I wondered, how was he able to find that out? How did he know? How did he know? It was like his eyes were constantly watching. heavenly father's eyes are always watching always watching don't grumble don't complain don't grumble don't complain number three we're finished observe the saints they are our examples so we're told in verses seven through nine to be patient we're told not to complain but has anybody actually ever lived this way? You know, is it even possible to live this way? Is it it possible to live in a way like this? Well, James said, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me point you to some examples, verses 10 and 11. Let's read this. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. Take the prophets... The Old Testament prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. Verse 11. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. So what do we hear in this text? James is saying, I have told you in the power of the Holy Spirit to be patient. I have told you also to not complain but he said now I'm telling you there are people who have gone before you that have lived this life he said all you have to do is look at the Old Testament prophets look at these guys who stood up and they spoke truth they were men of God that spoke truth it was not pleasant truth but they spoke truth to a rebellious people and told them what God desired and called them to repentance called them back from sin called them to a life of of holiness And generally speaking, what did the people do? They hurt the prophets. They messed them up. Injustice. And yet James says, look at them. They didn't complain. They didn't grumble. They were looking forward to the day when Jesus called them home. There were certainly some that did not do too well, but there were many that did not complain, and they endured. And then he gives us Job as an example in verse 11. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Job... If you're familiar with the book of Job, you realize that Job really wasn't that patient at times. But he did endure. He did stick to it. He did remain faithful to his God. And this is the point that James is talking about that Job, even though bad things happened to him, refused to take his eyes off the Lord. He was struggling with why this would happen. There were times that he even said, Lord, I just wish that the day I was born even, didn't even happen. I, I wish that that didn't even happen. There were times that he was not so patient, but he did endure, kind of like me. Crossed the finish line. Wasn't too pretty, but I was faster than the old guy. And uh, <laughs> James is saying there are people who have lived this way following their example but let me end with the one who lived this the most spectacularly we could talk about Paul we could talk about Peter let's talk about Jesus listen as Peter talks about Jesus as he's standing before some religious leaders. Peter and John had been preaching about the resurrected Christ. They had just, uh, he had just preached that sermon there on the day of Pentecost and about 3,000 people were saved and baptized that day. And then in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are now standing in front of these religious leaders, quite possibly the Sanhedrin, the the religious supreme court of, of Israel at that time. And so Peter is giving his defense. And listen to what he says in verses 13 through 15. Peter says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus. Glorified his servant Jesus. So shown how wonderful the Son of God is. He glorified his servant Jesus whom you handed over and denied before pilate though pilate had decided to release him so what's he talking about injustice it was wrong peter is bold he's filled with the spirit they're they're prayed up and he's filled with the spirit and he said you committed an injustice against jesus well what did jesus do did he complain did he grumble say, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? This is not fair. Is that what Jesus did? No. Verse 14, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Peter and John are saying, we saw you do it. We saw you do it. So once again, how did Jesus respond? For the very last verse I'm going to give you, Isaiah chapter fifty-three verses six and seven. Let's go back to the Old Testament and listen to how Jesus responded. Did he complain? Did he grumble? We all went astray like sheep. All of us. All of us. We've we've all gone astray. We've all lived for ourselves. Maybe we weren't as bad as we could be, but we all chase after uh, just living for ourselves. We all turned to our own ways. So our life was about us. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So how did Jesus respond when this happened? Verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted. What does it say? Say it with me. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shearers, say it again, he did not open his mouth. One, he didn't defend himself before Pilate because this is the purpose for which he came. But two, he didn't grumble and complain. You see this? I said that was the last one. Actually, let me give you one last verse. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is the last one. Hebrews chapter 12. What enabled Jesus to not grumble and complain? What enabled Jesus to endure the injustice that happened to him What enabled him so that we can say, okay, that's what I want to do too. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Keeping our eyes on Jesus... The source and perfecter of our faith. The source means he's the one who pioneered the faith. He started it off. And the perfecter, he's the one who made it to the end. So he's the one who's paved the trail. And all we do is we just follow. We're a Jesus follower. He's the one who is the source and perfecter of our faith. We're looking to him. We're looking to him. Look at Jesus. He's the example. Here it is. For the joy that lay before him, he endured. Oh, there's the word endured again. He endured the cross. Despising the shame. So, what did Jesus do? Where were his eyes that enabled him to endure injustice? Where were his eyes? Heaven. It's what James told us. Jesus is coming back. Be patient. Just endure what is taking place, endure it. Well, friend, injustice is going to happen. We do live in a sinful world. After all, we do live in a Genesis 3 world. And so what we hear from this text is not a suggestion. James is not, God, does ne, God never gives suggestions, and the Holy Spirit through James was writing this. God is not giving a suggestion. He is saying, I want you to endure knowing that I'm going to come back. Just hang in there. Hang in there. But I also want you to not complain and not grumble while you're there. Just trust in me. Rest in me and realize that there are godly men and women who have gone before you that have lived this life. Imperfect as they are, sinful as they are, they have lived this life of enduring injustice and difficulty, and they have been patient, and they have been people who have not resorted to complaining and grumbling. And now God's Holy Spirit is saying, now it's your turn. So what is it, as we have looked at this, what is it that the Holy Spirit is probing inside of your heart and saying, This is the this is the adjustment. Is there complaining? Are you are you somebody that complains and grumbles? Are you somebody that's really just feeling the weight of the difficulties and the wrongs that have been done to you right now? And and your response is you need to realize you need you need to be reminded that you need to be looking toward Jesus And looking forward to the time that he's coming back How is it that the lord is speaking to you right now? Let's not just pray a prayer and sing a song and go. Let's make some adjustments. What adjustment is God's Holy Spirit calling you to make right now so that as we leave, you're more like Jesus than when you first came in? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you uh, that not only that you wrote a book through about 40 men to tell us how to live, but you actually came to earth to show us how to live. Lord, I thank you not only that you showed us in your life how it is that a person who follows you is to think and talk and behave, but you also know that we're all sinners. All of us are born sinners. And so ultimately, Jesus, you died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later and offer forgiveness, offer salvation to any who will trust in you. And so, Father, as we're going into a time of response where those who are saved, those who do know you as their Savior and Lord, are looking for areas in their life, in our life, that we need to make adjustments in so that we can live this life in a way that's pleasing to you. But, Father, I also pray for that one who is not saved yet. And I pray, Lord, that They would sense that you are offering right now the gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. If they will turn from sin and self-rule and trust in you, Jesus, and what you did for them there on the cross. Father, I pray that there would be those who would do that even right now, trusting in you to forgive them and save them. Father, as we go into this time of response, if this is a time where we just bow our heads and do business with you while those around us are singing, then help us to do that. And Lord, if it's a decision that means coming forward and kneeling down at the steps to do business with you or maybe coming forward and talking with me, Lord, I pray that right now as the song is sung, that whatever it is, whatever decision it is, you are leading us to make right now, Lord, I pray right now, you'd give us the courage to make it. In Jesus' name. Amen.